0: Well, we're going to press into our theme here today, and that is the theme of God's grace. We've been talking about that some in our morning studies for some of our classes. Uh, we have a little devotional guide here. If you'd like to have one, we can put one in your hands that kind of leads us through the week. And so Monday through Friday, starting tomorrow, we'll talk about the grace of God. And so our morning Bible studies was the grace of God, and our time together this morning will be the grace of God. We've sung about the grace of God. And then that will take us through Friday. Then next Saturday, we'll begin a new theme. Next Sunday, however, we won't address the theme because why? Anybody know? All right, because Jamie Lee will be here. Unless he just happens to be on topic, uh, we'll probably go a different route. And that's perfect. All right, so however the Lord leads there. Uh, So I do hope that you've been in the Word. You know, every week we talk about three words. We want to connect with God so God can grow us and send us out to live like His servants. We call that here connecting, growing, serving together. It's something we want to do as a church family. We believe that's imperative. Based on the great commission and the great commandments, we want to be people who are out making disciples. And, and so we try to do that here. Also there you've got in front of you, and I didn't mention this earlier, uh, but there is a connect card there in that pew. little card. If you'd like to fill that out and leave it with us, you can uh, as a guest. Uh, make yourself at home here, okay? Just fill that out. If you're... Uh, A regular here, if you've got a prayer request or a concern, you can fill that out. You can hand it to myself or an usher after the service as well, okay? Uh, So for us, we're going to chase a thought here we're going to call, By God's Grace. And this is going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd like to go ahead and turn there, you can. If you don't have a Bible, the text will be on the wall. So you can follow along that way as well. Uh, But we'll we'll be to our text in just a minute. So I always like to talk initially. Before we get into it. And so I'm going to ask you about grace. When you think of the word grace. What do you think of? Like how would you define it? Or what, is it, what does it make you think of? Grace. Okay. Yeah. So the acronym if you didn't hear that. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, sometimes is how grace is uh, defined. Somebody else, when you think of grace, what do you think of? Something we don't deserve, all right, very good. His love, okay. I think of like a child, I don't know, we used to say this at our house, but let's say grace, you ever say that? Our parents would say that sometime before we eat a meal. Let's say grace, or it was kind of associated with prayer. So we tend to think of grace maybe in those terms. So you're all right on track. And here's just a few ideas that kind of help put it in, uh, you know, maybe help fill in some of uh, the perspective there. One is that it's unmerited favor or it's un- undeserved, just like was shared a moment ago. Um, I've also heard that grace is everything for those who. A grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. Okay, so we get it all in exchange for nothing. I thought that was a pretty good definition. Another is grace is what every man needs, what none can earn, and what God alone can and does freely give. Everybody needs it. No one can get it on their own, but God's willing and free to Uh, In his giving of grace there So there's all sorts of ways we could Talk about grace Then there's some biblical words too That kind of help us understand grace So it's it's talked as glorious grace Uh, It's called uh, lavish grace Or rich grace Abundant grace And we sing a song that says It's marvelous, it's infinite It's matchless grace We sang this morning that old song That it's sufficient grace Or it's sustaining grace What's that old hymn that everybody knows, Believer or Unbeliever? Amazing Grace, okay, written by a a man, John Newton, who knew full well what the grace of God looked like. He said of himself, I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. And he had experienced in his life what grace was like. So there's all sorts of ways we could talk about it. What I'd like to do here is show you maybe in the next few minutes an example of, Of it on in real life situations. So do you remember when Jesus was with Peter. um, After Jesus had resurrected. So right prior to that Jesus says to Peter. uh, You'll deny me three times. Peter says no I'll die with you. And sure enough Peter's going to deny him three times. Jesus is going to be crucified, buried, resurrected. And then they're going to have this encounter. And so here's a kind of a little monologue. Not a monologue but a little drama between two people of what the conversation could have actually been like, okay? So this is supposed to be Peter and Jesus.
1: Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter.
0: You think Peter understands grace? I think he gets it. And I hope we do as well. Uh, And I hope that that attitude brews in us like you see there in Peter. You know, I know that's just a reenactment of what the conversation could have possibly been. That's biblical, but... Um, You know wrecked by grace there It's a a beautiful picture And we're going to talk about another guy Who was wrecked by grace and he never got over it this is going to be Paul okay Uh, So we've defined the word grace We've kind of given a you know Engaged more of our senses here With viewing something Maybe searing grace in our heart a little bit further Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 And try to Look a little bit deeper into this grace That Paul's going to talk about okay So here we've got Paul And he's reminding these early believers of the gospel. And what he is saying is that Jesus was dead according to the scriptures, he was buried according to the scriptures, and he was resurrected according to the scriptures. And what you're going to find is that while Peter is trying to remind these Corinthian people of the resurrection, he's just blown away all over again about how gracious God had been towards them. You ever been in that situation? You're explaining God to somebody, and it kind of rejoices your heart. And you're telling somebody maybe something that God has done in your life that's good, and you kind of, it's just fresh all over again. You just, you're very thankful and appreciative for what God does. And, and so right in the middle of this little section of Scripture, Paul's going to take a minute and just kind of give thanks for what God had done in his life. So you can follow along as we read today. It's in your Bible or it's on the wall. Uh, verses 1 through 11, okay? Says, Moreover brethren I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Cephas Then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remained to the present. But some had fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James. Then by all the apostles. And then last of all he was seen by me. Also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And so here we've got Paul reminiscing the gospel, how it had affected his own life, and how grace had worked in his own life. And he was wanting the Corinthians to be reminded of this as well. Right, you've heard the gospel, we preached it, whoever preached it, it's what you've believed, what you've received, don't lose the work of the gospel in your life. And so a few things that we're going to note today as it relates to grace, specifically the grace of God towards us and how that works, um, what the results are. right. so here initially, number one, the grace of God is a humbling and yet honoring gift of God. The grace of God is a humbling and yet at the same time we'll see that it's an honoring gift of God. So as grace initially comes to a person, it has the tendency to cause us to see ourselves for who we really are. Now where there's this collision between our lives and grace, it's often very humbling. We feel exposed. Do you remember the first time you heard that God loved you even as a sinner? Do you remember knowing that you were a sinner and yet there was forgiveness for your sins? You know, I was a young boy. I was six years old when that started to click with me. And I remember after a family devotion time, just sitting there with my dad, just sitting there crying because I knew that I was a sinner. And I I was exposed. There was this collision between the grace of God and the sinfulness of Corey. And now everybody knew it, at least those sitting around. You know, grace has a way initially of making us feel very vulnerable. As though we are fully exposed. It's where we acknowledge that I know that I'm a sinner. Now you may not know all of my sins. And I don't know all of yours. But what we are acknowledging by grace. Is that we're all sinful people. And so that can be really humbling. Um, Initially. Now if you've been saved for a while. Anybody have trouble admitting that you're a sinner? No. For those who've experienced the grace of God. We find ourselves kind of enjoying that grace, not enjoying that we've sinned, but we don't necessarily often regard ourselves in that same humility, although maybe we should. And so let's go back and look at what Paul says here about himself. He's going to say back in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I'm the least of the apostles, and I don't, what's the next word? I don't even... Deserve. I don't even deserve. Okay? That's what we mentioned earlier there, that unmerited favor. And so, as Paul is reminded of the gospel, he's reminded himself of how Jesus had come to him and how, again, that was all by grace. And so, grace is very humbling, and grace should be very humbling. It's something that should often remind us of where we've come. And so, I don't ever want to get over grace, I don't ever want to treat it as though it's something that I deserved. You know, in that little video there, You see Peter initially, and he's not getting it, right? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter's like, you know, Andrew, get out of the boat. But when grace finally grips his heart, you know, he's broken over it again. I denied you. I told you I wouldn't do that. And that's the very thing I did. And they were asking me these questions, and how could you love me? I'm going to have to spend my whole life trying to repay you for what you've done for me. And Jesus says, you just don't get it. It's not about you. It's about me and what I've done for you. And so that's grace. Grace initially is humbling. It's undeserved favor towards people that often didn't even know about it. It's undeserved favor towards people who often didn't believe in it. And so if I don't believe in the grace of God, I'm going to go on and sin. And yet the Bible says, as I sin on, grace continues. It always trumps. It's always in abundance. And so where I continued in sin... Indulge my sin. Jesus died for my sin. Now it's one thing to think that God could die for somebody who was a good person. But to think that God could die for somebody who didn't know him. Didn't believe in him. Was willfully sinning or rebellious. It just sounds uh, almost too good to be true. But here it is in word picture. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. This is a letter later written. Peter, or Paul writes and says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. See, grace has this way of humbling us as we think about what Jesus has done for us, yet at the same time, grace has a way of honoring us when we think that Jesus willingly did that. So there's the humbling side, he died for my sin, and yet there's the honoring side, he died for me. He willingly died for me. See, grace doesn't just try to press us down and make us feel ashamed or guilty. Grace doesn't just highlight our sin, but grace, it lifts us from that place. It says, look at the cross. It says, think about the exchange that took place, literally. I've taken your sin and in your place, or in its place, I've given you my purity, my perfection. And so I'm honoring you. Though you were poor, you became rich. Because he who was rich took on our poverty so that we could be forgiven. And so we definitely don't deserve grace. But I don't know how we could possibly be honored any higher than having God die for us. Now you see bumper stickers that says, my child is an honor student. My parents never received one of those. At least not for me. Or how people are exulting, you know, on all sorts of social media, all sorts of accomplishments. You know, my, my child, this is their first time riding a bike, or they're walking, or they hit a home run, or they did something fantastic. And, and so we celebrate that. I don't know how anybody could be any more highly honored than this verse right here outlines. We've been made rich through the poverty of Christ, the exchange of His glory and beauty and perfection, For our sinfulness. And so yes it humbles me. But at the same time. It honors me. And that's the way God works. And that's the way grace works initially. And so Paul said I don't deserve it. I'm the least of the apostles. But he's going to go on to talk about how he was honored. All right, so let's go secondly this morning. Not only is grace going to humble and honor us. And I hope it will keep us there. But it's also going to do this work of remaking us. Into who God's created us to be. Okay it's not just a started work of. Grace saves me and forgives my sin. But it's this continuing work of grace. Which shapes us into who God has created us to be. You know we live in a world that often says to us. That you are to be self made. You know men like to beat their chest. And say I'm a self made man. I am who I am because of what I've done. I've studied. I've worked. I've earned. All these possessions I have. They're mine. The reputation I have. It's mine. It's all because of. Me And so we like to think that we're self-made people. Okay? Let's put this in proper perspective. How many of us made ourselves? None of us. Right? And without making this a health class, we know how it works. It took s- people outside of us to make us. Right? So if I can't even start my life, what makes me think that I could make my life into anything? And we can talk about all sorts of things that were sustained by things like the laws of gravity. We have no control over gravity, and yet it holds us here. Uh, we have no control necessarily of how we were shaped or taught initially, and yet it has made us into the people that we are. Uh, we can't control the oxygen that we receive, right? I mean, all these things are necessary. If I'm going to be self-made and beat my chest like I'm the man. I've got to be able to create myself and make stuff so I can breathe, make stuff so I can eat, like it's all within my capability. Did anybody cause the sun to come up this morning? None of us did, but somebody did, right? It comes up, and it's going to set later today. You know, it's done that for years. It's going to keep doing that because God says so. Gravity works because God says so. We breathe because God says so. And so to think that I can make myself apart from a God, uh, is simply an untruth. So there's only one person who says, I am who I am. Alright? And that's God alone. Let's look at this here. Exodus 3.14, God's talking to Moses. And here's what he says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Alright? The only person who can say, I am who I am, is the person who is totally self-sufficient. So outside of me, I need nothing. So you bring nothing to the table. You don't add any value to me. It's not that I need you to complete my work. God is totally self-sufficient, totally self-existent, okay? We are grace-needy people. God doesn't need any sort of grace from us. So there's one person who can say, I am what I am, or I am who I am. That's God. Paul said, I am what I am, but he had to throw in another phrase, okay, he had to t- uh, start that a little bit different. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. And so God is in this work of remaking us into the people uh, that he wants us to be. And so what does it mean? What does it mean what Paul says knew of himself? By the grace of God, I am what I am. One thing it means is this. That's a current tense statement. Present tense. Let's go ahead and look at that verse. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't say, but by the grace of God, I was what I was. It's not that God did something a long time ago. I told you when I was six years old, that's when I first believed and received Jesus as my Savior. asked him to forgive me of my sins. Grace was present there uh, 35 years ago. Okay, grace started there, but it didn't stop there. That was the beginning. So Paul didn't write for himself and say, but by the grace of God, I was what I was. Although grace was present on his way to Damascus. Right? Grace met him there. There was that beautiful collision of grace and Paul. And he was forever changed. Or, or grace and Saul at that point, And he was forever changed. But it's not past tense. Although it was definitely there. It's not future tense. But by the grace of God I will be what I'm going to be. Right? What that would say is right now God's not at work in my life. One day I'll be perfect. One day I'll be complete. And that's true. But what Paul says is all along the way, okay, by the grace of God I was what I was, and by the grace of God I will be what I will be, all because by the grace of God I am what I am. Every step of the way, it's a right now kind of grace. So right now you and I are living in and living under grace. Right now there is grace at work in our life. What is grace? It's that undeserved favor. It's that undeserved blessing. It's God's provision, God's protection. It's His Spirit moving and shaping. That is grace. And so it's a whole lot bigger than just, hey, let's talk about salvation. It's definitely there. But it's about this continuing work of becoming more and more like Christ. One day, I'll be made perfect. But until then, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so we've got this kind of right now sort of grace And so right now we are a family of God if we're believers, right? That doesn't happen when we die. Right now we are a part of the family of God. When does eternal life begin? All right, at the point of belief. And so eternal life is not when I'm laid in the ground and now I'm living forever then. Eternal life starts at the point of life, right? Up until I'm a believer, I'm, I'm wrapped up in death. And all I can experience is death. But when Jesus enters the scene, now I have life. And that life is eternal. And so I've got right now eternal life. I've got right now I'm part of the family of God. I've got right now the purpose of God for my life. I've got right now clarity. I've got right now access to God. Okay, I've got right now grace. And so when we think about the grace of God, let's don't just think about how it humbles and honors us. But let's also think about how he is remaking us into who it is that he has created us to be. And so we can say then, along with Paul, by the grace of God, we are who we are. or We are what we are. All owing to grace. And so the grace of God is going to humble and honor us. It's going to remake us. But then it's also going to help us as we continue along the way here. And so let's talk third and last here. It's going to strengthen us as we work for the Lord. It's going to strengthen us as we work for the Lord. And so we often talk about a grace that saves us. You know that song, Amazing Grace? You guys help me out here. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. that saved a wretch like me. How's it go? Okay, and so I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. That's all talking about this salvation. It's the initial part of grace in my life. But that next verse says something like, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and, and grace my fears relieved." That's kind of ironic, right? Grace taught my heart to fear, fear God, and grace my fears relieved. And so I no longer have to fear my adversary, what Miss Alyssa was talking about. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And so all you have in that song is this progression. I've got saving grace, but then I've got this sustaining grace this strengthening grace, this sanctifying grace that ultimately is going to make me more and more like Christ. It strengthens us as we work for the Lord. Let's go to verse 10 here. Second Corinthians, or rather 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. It's this enabling grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And so in response to God's grace, we find Paul working hard. We find Paul saying right here, I I worked harder than all of them, all these apostles that I just mentioned. However, Paul doesn't think that he's repaying God for his grace. This isn't some kind of, I loaned you 50 bucks, Paul, now pay it back to me. He wasn't trying to earn what God had done for him and he makes that clear in that statement it wasn't I it was the grace of God at work in me so think of it this way Paul's kind of like a child who joyfully gives his mother a birthday present after the mother had given him the money for the present that's grace that little boy didn't do anything to go earn that money to get his mother a present it was just freely given to him And so what he did, it was his delight to go out and buy a present for the one who had blessed him. That's grace. We in no way go out and earn it. It's just freely given to us. And because of that, we want to use it. We want to honor the Lord. We want to give it back. And so here we find that it's strengthening. It's compelling. It's something that will enable us or drive us to serve. You know, Paul makes this clear in another one of his statements Letters uh, to the Corinthians. Paul was an apostle unlike any other. And he had been given revelations that no one else had been given. And so he was taking things that once were a mystery. And he was making it clear for people. All because of God. And what he says is. God allowed this messenger of Satan to torment me. Because of that. So I wouldn't become conceited. Right? Right? Because Paul could have went around and said, Hey, I'm a better apostle because God revealed it to me and not you. That must mean that I'm a little bit higher on God's scale than you are. And yet he says, No, God gave me this messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not become conceited. And so here was his response to that. Here's his response. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, this messenger of Satan. But he said to me, God... My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am what? Then I am strong. See what Paul says here, the sufficient grace of God is a strengthening grace. It's a strengthening grace for the task. So whatever God is asking of you and me, it's not just, hey, I saved you, now figure it out on your own. You know, hey, I helped you see you were a sinner, now try to earn saint. No, it's the same grace that saved you and me that will be the same grace that will sustain you and me. And this is important here. See, grace didn't just save us so we could coast through life. It didn't just save us so we could be forgiven of our sins. Grace saved us so we would be driven by it. So we would be compelled by it. Enabled, absolutely. But that it would be that motivating factor in our life for how we live. So this morning, at some point, an alarm went off either in your head, on your phone, on a clock, child waking up, whatever. For some reason, you woke up. Okay? What is driving what you're doing today? You got up just as I did. We got ourselves ready and fed. We drove to this facility. We walked into this building. Why are we here? What is driving? What's the motivation behind gathering together? Realigning ourselves around the Word of God. Equipping and encouraging. Praying for one another. What's driving that? The strength behind all that we do is grace. So don't don't think that it's just about salvation. It goes way beyond that. And so as I grasp grace, and this is what Paul did. When Paul grasped grace, he realized what God had done for him and it compelled him. Right? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I've worked harder than all these people, but not me. It's the grace of God in me. It's what drives me to share the gospel. It's what drives me to preach to the Gentiles. It's what drives me to honor my God. It's the same thing for you and I. That's the way it's supposed to be. So what's driving you? Is it grace? How long has it been since you were amazed that God could forgive you? And we tend to think we're pretty good people. Right? And we tend to think that of other people. They're pretty good. You know, if they just added Jesus to their life, they'd be a Christian. But John Newton got it right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a... A wretch like me. Paul calls himself a wretch. In our text that we read, he says he's undeserving to be even called an apostle. Because he he was wrecked by grace. See, grace compels us. It humbles us, but it compels us as well to be strengthened for the task. You know, what I like there, Hebrews 4.16. This isn't on the wall. What it says to us is that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Right? We can approach the throne of grace with confidence knowing that when we do, we'll find mercy and grace for our time of need. You know what that means? There's never a place that you'll find yourself in service to the Lord where you have a need where there will not be grace to strengthen that need. You're never going to be there just like this, empty pockets. I've got a need. I just don't, I can't meet my need. The author of Hebrews says, yeah, we'll meet your need. His name's God. He's got this throne of grace. When you need mercy and grace, you approach it confidently. And in your time of need, he'll sustain you and strengthen you with the grace you need to perform the work that he's asking you or asking me to do. The grace of God strengthens us as we work for the Lord. So all sorts of things we could say about grace here. But a few that we've said is that it humbles us as we think of a Savior dying for sinners. And yet at the same time it honors us because that Savior willingly died for sinful people. Do you know there's nothing that all this earth could have done to keep Jesus from dying for you? There's nothing. He prayed, Father, is there a different way? But if not, then let your will be done. Let's do it this way, just like we've planned. So all hell could come against Jesus and yet he would not give up. He would not relent. He would die. How can you be honored any higher? How can we be held in any more high esteem than to know that God died and died for us? Humbling but honoring. It's the same grace that's remaking us. It's driving us from temptation. It's driving us from things that are not healthy pressing us towards God. And it's this grace that's strengthening us for the task. And so we preach and we teach and we give and we study and we pray and we live out our faith in our jobs and in our communities and with our neighborhoods and with our classmates through this enabling, strengthening grace. It's the motivating factor of the life of a Christian. I'm compelled to do things for the Lord because of His grace and thankfully He has grace to enable us for the task. And so as we begin to close. I just want to ask you a few questions. And one is this. Have you received this kind of grace. That we're talking about this morning. You know, it all starts by. Acknowledging that we're sinful people. Where the spirit of God. Begins to draw a person. To what's true. And so if you can honestly sit here this morning. And say I know that I'm a sinner. That's not because somebody. Standing in front of you. is trying to convince you of that. There's a God who's at work, and He wants to humble us by grace. But remember, He's going to humble us to honor us. And so maybe today, your first step towards God is, God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I've not done anything to deserve your forgiveness. But what your word says is that you took my poverty, my sin, in exchange, you're giving me your riches or your wealth or your forgiveness. And so I receive that today. I know I'm a sinner, I repent of these sins, and I ask you today, Jesus, save me from my sins. His promise is He will. Maybe that's where you sit here this morning. Maybe you'd like to receive grace. Maybe you've already received grace, though you know you're a believer. I just wonder, are you trying to remake yourself? One of the lies of our adversary is that you have to now earn what has freely been given to you. I started the process, now it's up to you to complete it. So you better be a good person because when you sin, I'm going to kick you out. Is that how it works? No. I was talking with my daughter this morning just trying to paint this picture. That's how it works for people who feel like they have to earn it. It would be like me saying to one of my daughters, if you don't clean your room when I tell you, you're out of the house and you don't get back in. You're no longer my child. No, that's not how it works. And that's not how grace works towards us either. You don't have to earn it. And so you don't stand by your own merit or effort. Neither do I. It's still grace that sustains or is working to to make us holy or to make us sanctified. And so maybe you feel like, I'm trying to earn something from God that he's freely given. That's called enslavement. It's called being chained, shackled to a way of living that is not grace. Grace. Maybe today you just need to give that over to God and say, I'm going to let you remake me instead of me trying to remake me. You know, God is not in the business of self-help. It's not, hey, I'll make you make you better. He's saying, no, I'll make you better. I'll make you like me. You just need to surrender. Maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. Or maybe you're just weary. Maybe you feel like you're doing the work, but you're growing tired in it. And you feel like you just can't go on. I just can't keep praying for these people. I just can't keep preaching. I just can't keep serving. It seems like there's closed doors everywhere when I'm sharing the gospel. I just feel like I can't keep doing this. And God's saying, okay, pray that out. You can't keep doing it, but I can. And so you come to me with confidence because I will supply the grace that you need for your time. Whatever it is I'm asking you to do, my grace is sufficient. Maybe that's where you sit here this morning. Could be someplace totally different. However it is, I'd just like to pray with you.